Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands we record this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the Wanarua and the Gamilaroi people. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Recently, we were told that Australia is facing a third season of La Nina, a weather event that has led to difficult and even deadly times for some Australians. Catastrophic floods in northern New South Wales and struggling business owners in Lismore are at their wits' end. This is, you know, a 14-metre level water, something that they haven't seen in quite some time, and it's all underwater. Today marks six months since the devastating floods hit Lismore, and some residents are still living in tents or with family unable to return home. Today we look at what exactly La Nina is, why it's here and what happens on the other side of it as we're warned to brace for more floods heading into 2023. But first, the news headlines for Friday, September 23. Optus customers are being told to look out for fraudulent activity on any of their accounts after a major data breach saw customers' private information stolen. Optus said last night they're working with the Australian Cybersecurity Centre to limit the risk to both current and former customers whose names, dates of birth, phone numbers, email addresses, driver's licence numbers, passport numbers and addresses could have been accessed. The federal opposition is calling for the government to act immediately to improve the privacy and safety of Australians online. 32 of the 35 surviving pilot whales stranded on a Tasmanian beach have been refloated, but marine rescuers still have a major task ahead of them. More than 200 of the whales beached themselves on the west coast of the island on Wednesday, with more than 50 Tasmanian government staff, volunteers and workers from a local aquaculture company banding together to save as many of the animals as they could, managing to get the 32 back out to sea. They're now working to free the final two surviving whales and dispose of around 200 dead bodies. A Northern Territory police officer has apologised to the family of Aboriginal man Kumanjai Walker, who was shot dead by one of her colleagues during an arrest. Sergeant Julie Frost told the inquest into Mr Walker's death that she was ordered by a senior officer not to inform the community the Walpuri man had died in police custody, saying the directive was given over fears some in the community would become violent. The ruse continued when police formed a convoy of vehicles and headed to the airport, making it look like they were transferring Mr Walker to Alice Springs Hospital for treatment, when in fact they were bringing in reinforcements to evacuate the man responsible for the shooting, Constable Zachary Rolfe, to safety. Sergeant Frost said she understood the community's anger at not being informed of the death and wanted to apologise. Protests in Iran over the death of a young woman in police custody over the way she was dressed show no signs of easing as they torch police stations and vehicles. 
22-year-old Masa Amini died last week after being detained in Tehran for wearing unsuitable attire. She was reportedly beaten, falling into a coma before dying. Her death sparking outrage in the community, leading to major protests across the country. Social media videos showing members of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard being attacked on the street. In response, the guards have called on the country's judiciary to prosecute those who they say are spreading false news and rumours about Miss Amini's death, saying they endanger the psychological safety of society. Aussie basketball legend Lauren Jackson says running out in Opal's colours again was incredibly special despite the team's 13-point loss to France. Jackson, who retired in 2016 after suffering chronic knee injuries, was benched for the entire third quarter of the match, telling reporters after the game it had nothing to do with her physically. She was just doing what was asked of her after her personal foul count started to rise. The 41-year-old says the team has a bit of soul-searching to do now before it's game on again tomorrow at the FIBA Women's World Cup. Roger Federer will team up with his friend Rafael Nadal for what the Swiss tennis legend says will be his final match of his long and illustrious career. The two will play the doubles match at the Rod Laver Cup in London today, playing for Team Europe against Team World. The 41-year-old will then retire with multiple surgeries on his right knee, having kept him off the court since July 2021 when he played at Wimbledon. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Summer in Australia. It conjures up visions of a hot, beating sun, sizzling barbecues and fat, lazy flies. It's when we hit the beach, whack the sprinkler out on the lawn if we're not experiencing water restrictions, and we often head to the cinema or shopping centre for some relief if our aircon isn't quite up to scratch. But compared to the summer of 2019-2020, when burnt leaves fell from the sky across eastern Australia as bushfires raged, The past few years have been a very different summer scenario. I was actually in bed with my toddler girl. She was having a bit of a restless night and I kept on hearing my father-in-law's phone going off and I remembered thinking to myself, something doesn't seem right. And he said, well, they're now predicting that it's going to be 13 metres, so that's going to be well and truly coming up to the second floor. If you want to leave, you should probably leave now because the levee wall's about to breach and you'll have about half an hour before the flood water gets here. So I said, oh, I think I need to go because I've got a 21-month-old and my little girl who just turned three. And we got in the car and I remembered thinking, I hope that as I'm driving out the road, the flood water doesn't come because I had my baby strapped into the car. And I drove up the hill and I was really just thankful to make it there safely. And yeah, that was the scariest moment for me. And in terms of other people and what they've been through, that is absolutely nothing. I can't even decide really if I want to return, especially with the threat of another La Nina on the way and more rain on the way. You know, there's nothing to say that this won't happen again. So if we do go ahead and invest all this money in fixing up the house for it to just be washed away again, we have to consider that. Those are just two of the hundreds of residents of Lismore who had to run as water inundated their homes. 
we've been hearing about a weather pattern called La Nina, a sister to the El Nino period that contributed to the dangerous heat levels experienced previously. Weather presenter for Channel 9 News in Adelaide, Jessica Braithwaite, explains that a few things need to be happening in order for La Nina to occur. It's all to do with what's happening in our oceans. So the mechanics are that we have the water off the coast of Australia on our side of the tropical Pacific Ocean is warming up. And then the waters on the other side of the tropical Pacific Ocean over near the Americas is comparatively cooler. And that causes issues on both sides of the world. Over on the other side, you might have seen over around the US, they've got mega droughts and wildfires. And then on our side, on the other side of the coin, if you will, we've been seeing the flooding. What's actually happening, the best way to describe it, if you think about a saucepan on the stove, it's full of water, and you heat up that saucepan, you notice how the steam will start to come off the water and eventually you'll see sort of like water droplets on the top of the glass lid of the saucepan. That's because as we're heating up the water, you know, we're getting that evaporation and the steam is rising. And basically that's what's happening in our oceans. The waters are getting warmer, so we're seeing more evaporation, more water droplets forming in the air, and ultimately for us at the moment, that's going to mean more rain. Predicting the La Nina or El Nino patterns isn't easy or clean cut. It takes climate scientists and meteorologists some time to look through the natural processes that play out to form them, and they're often different every time. What we can do is base our expectations on our previous experience with La Nina. So instead of those lazy, hot, dry summers, La Nina instead brought rain to places that haven't seen a drop in ages. In some areas, it brought a hell of a lot more than a drop. Flooding areas of southeastern Queensland, northern New South Wales and even the streets of suburban Sydney. As we watch the emergency unfold in Ballina and move towards Sydney with heavy rainfall forecasts this afternoon, as of course the seawater and the river runoff is all running in through city streets at the moment. We are moving in uncharted territory. We're talking about a one in 1,000 year flood event at the moment. What we are now seeing is the combination of the high tide coming from the coast and then the river that is flowing into town. Lives were lost, both human and animal, and it left behind a trail of destruction that would take months to clean up and repair, only to be hit by another wall of water months later. For Lismore MP Janelle Safin, it meant returning to a home that had been hit hard by that brown water. Like so many, just, uh, you know, a complete mess of mud and things everywhere upended all over the place and just like a lot of people threw a lot of things out. One of the things that we've talked about now and we've all observed, we probably could have all saved a fair bit more in a, you know, maybe a different approach. But look, we did what we could and a lot of the things were just completely ruined. So I've rebuilt some walls and made them more flood resistant, things like that. While we've dealt with back-to-back La Nina weather patterns for the past few summers, we were recently informed by the Weather Bureau that it's not over yet. In fact, we're already gearing up for La Nina number three in a row and to prepare ourselves for what will be another wet spring and summer. Janelle says on the ground in Lismore, they're still cleaning up from the last time it hit and the mental health of the people living in the region is close to breaking point. Look, the evidence of the humanitarian disaster still shows. You know, seven months after what I call it was like an inland tsunami, you know, hit us, we've still got people trying to rebuild houses. We've got people trying to stand up their businesses. I mean, you know, we've just never had this before. 
normally a couple of weeks, you know, after a flood, people are cleaned up, business is up and running. We just don't have that. We've got a pretty strong community and I've said, you know, we've taken a battering, but, you know, we're not beaten. So I want to say that first of all. We're out there, we're doing stuff and we're helping each other. But because of the inadequate, slow, tardy, no one in charge recovery response we've got to date, that doesn't give people confidence in the agency's task with preparing, you know, for the next weather event. So there's that. And mental health, it's an issue. It's a real issue. People talk to me about it daily unusually a lot more men and the mental health services to date the response from government they have to be built around trauma because that's the impact we've had so what exactly is la nina and why is it hanging around now jessica we know it brings a lot of rain we know it's back again but why is la nina happening for a third time and will it be hanging around for long Look, it's not unheard of to see three in a row. It has happened before, but it is pretty rare. So we're talking, you know, since 1900, since records began, we've we've only had it happen three times before. So, look, pretty unlucky. This one looks like it won't hang around for as long. It looks like it will certainly be here for the spring and maybe settle down in early next year, in early summer, as opposed to hanging around for the whole summer. So that's, you know, a little bit of a silver lining there. But another thing in terms of why this is happening is that, It does look like climate change is playing a role. I mean, the research is still relatively new in this space, so it's a little bit like watching a car crash kind of unfold in slow motion whilst also trying to save the people at the same time. But, look, I was talking to the researchers at Monash University, CLICOM, this week, and there is a lot of evidence suggesting that climate change might be making La Nina events and also the flip side, the El Nino events, more frequent and more intense. So we may come to see less years where we're sitting in this neutral phase where the dial's kind of in the middle, if you will, where we're seeing things a little bit more stable and more years where we're either basically in one extreme or the other. We've seen some pretty extreme weather with the last couple of La Nina systems that came through. As you're saying, these are becoming more frequent and more intense. Does that mean this season is going to be worse than the last? Will there be a lot more flooding like we've seen recently? Well, we're not off to a good start. I mean, already we're seeing many flood-weary areas, even just this week, under more flood warnings, with more flooding occurring through parts of New South Wales. So looking ahead to the spring to come, it is very likely that we will see above-average rainfall. And one of the reasons why it's particularly concerning is when you look at our flood-affected areas, and this might sound you know, really obvious, but they're already flooded in the sense that they're full. So, you know, if you think about the soil in these areas, if you think about it as though it's a sponge on your kitchen bench top, you know, you pour a little bit of water in, that's fine. It can soak it up. You pour a bit more in, it starts to get a bit testy. And eventually, if you pour too much water onto that sponge, it can't take any more and the water runs off. Now, the soil and the rivers and the catchments and the dams in a lot of these flood-affected areas, they're already full. So it's not going to take much more rain when that rain does come through to cause further flooding. So that's one of the reasons why there are such big concerns. Now, I was talking to someone about this the other day who was saying, well, surely now that means once La Nina ends, and hopefully we don't get another one straight after this, that, you know, if it does happen to flip over to an El Nino event like you were talking about, everything will be wet, so less chance of a bushfire. But 
this wet period has made everything grow heaps, right? So does that mean there's lots of fuel and does that mean bushfires are not far behind a La Nina? Yeah, there's some data to say that when an El Nino event directly follows a La Nina event, we can actually see really bad bushfire seasons because there's so much fuel and so much growth as a result of all of that rain that there's basically more stuff to burn. So in the short term, it can be seen as a positive thing because the La Nina event this summer does mean that we're less likely to experience a bad bushfire season this summer because, you know, more rain and cooler temperatures because of the cloud cover. But the flip side of that is that it does place us in a more dangerous situation if it's immediately followed by an El Nino event. So we're facing yet another season of very wet weather, which for many Aussies will mean not much more than the garden will be a lot greener again this year. But for others, it may mean again scrambling to get to higher ground or watching as their homes once again get swallowed up by all that water. But despite the ominous news, Janelle says while they're struggling in Lismore to get their town back up and running, they're not giving up just yet. Lismore can come back. Other parts of the Northern Rivers can come back. We can be the model of adaptation. We can look at when we do the buybacks and relocatables and all that. What do we do with that land? You know, we can turn it into a whole other beautiful parklands, cultural centres, sports, etc. There's lots we can do. We just need to be backed in by the governments. We need that overarching approach from them, the comprehensive approach. And we need what I call an economic recovery plan and not, oh, here's, you know, $20 million and everyone can put in for a grant. That's great because that money goes in the local community, but we need just a more comprehensive approach. That's the cookie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Liv Proud, with audio production by Tom Lyon. Big thanks to anyone listening who's become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. And of course, you'll be supporting our team of female journalists and producers. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes. 